Welcome to The Form Guide, inspiring conversations about our mental health and our well-being. This week, we're chatting to Andrew Tarver. Tarver is the CEO of Jigsaw XYZ and the man behind the tech that fuels the form score. And we're going to be chatting about what it's like to live and work with bipolar. So, Andrew Tarver, welcome to the Form Guide. Rob Stevenson, thank you for having me. <laughs> so, are you are you uh, a Frankie Goes to Hollywood fan from the eighties, Tarver? Uh, Nineteen eighty-four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's what I call music now. Three volume. <laughs> um, I was a big fan of the. Uh, now that's what I call music. Yeah, they were great. Um, had a number of CDs and cassettes. I do remember those times. Those were good days where everything was uh, positive. But yeah, in, I, I, I was actually thinking, why have, you, why have you played when two tribes go to war for our conversation? <laughs> well, there's a bit of, yeah, there's, there's some loose method in the madness, Tava, and we're here to talk about uh, our respective challenges of bipolar in advance of World Bipolar Day on the 30th of March. And I was thinking, as I looked through my list of 80s classics, that the two tribes being the two different extremes of mood that we often wrestle with. So yeah. there, was a, there was a bit of, I'm not suggesting you and I going to war, but you know. No, but that'd be fun. Yeah, that would be fun because a lot of these conversations are just too much in too much in agreement. So let's see how it goes. And uh, as I mentioned to you, I've not scripted this at all, really. I've got no questions in front of me. So we're going to have a chat. But you are the CEO and co-founder of Jigsaw XYZ. You are also on the leaderboard, the inside out leaderboard in the second edition. You've become a good friend of mine over the last couple of years. And you and your business has helped me build the form score um, app and, and really and really the movement. So thank you for joining us. I've been really looking forward to uh, to this conversation. It's my pleasure. And we all love working with you and working on um, form scores. So thank, thank you, man. And uh, good morning to everyone on the live chat. Nicole, Stuart, Sarah, good to have you with us. Um, so we're going to have a chat about bipolar. Um, and I'm really keen to understand your experiences and share a bit of mine and give people an insight into kind of what it's like to, to live, to work with this condition, both in terms of the challenges, the management, but also the strengths and the, the kind of superpower, as I sometimes call it. And so we're going to get into that. But obviously, Mr. T, we're going to start with the question that I, you know I'm going to ask you. And that question is, how are you today? Um, as you can see um, from my background, I'm a five out of 10. A couple of days of low form, really driven by some long COVID challenges, poor sleep, headaches, feeling nauseous. I'd, I'd nudge myself back up to a six that I'm on the form score app this morning after good sleep. And then I had a completely disastrous school run with my daughter and uh, didn't handle it very well at all, trying to get a tired nine-year-old out of the door. So that's dropped me to a five. But how about you? What's your score today, T? Um, so my score's six. And I think that is me being generous to myself. Okay. Um, you know the backdrop of this. You know, I'm going to start off with this being totally open, totally vulnerable. Um, it's what this is all about. Um, so my dad was diagnosed with cancer about 10 days ago. Um, I'm generally about seven, I go seven, eight, very rarely eight, actually, seven, six, seven, six, and then every so often an eight. Um, and, you know, the form school gives me that average, so I kind of know that. And as a person, I kind of know that as well. Um, but I, it knocked me to a five or four. Uh, one day I even considered, you know, getting into the three territory, just like, you know, 
how much it kind of pulls you down. Um, some of the work stuff was going on as well. Um, some of the family stuff was going on as well. And it was just like, I, I wasn't handling it well. Um, but I kind of, you know, I reflected after nine days of being a four or five that I need to basically buck up my ideas and get on with life. Um, which is me telling myself that I don't like my form score, which yeah. is kind of interesting. So I've been basically fighting with my own, you know, I need to improve myself. How can I do it? So I then look at all the things that drive positivity in my life. And I've been trying to remove the things which I know cause me stress or lack of sleep, etc. So I've been purposely fighting to try and up my form score. And bizarrely, why? Because I know lots of people are watching and are worried. And so therefore, it's kind of like I want to also kind of improve myself for them. I don't want, I feel as though I don't want them to worry about me yeah. constantly. I don't mind them worrying about me for a couple of days. So it's kind of like, it's been brilliant in some ways because I've been learning about this, you know, you know, this new thing about people know my form. Yeah. And therefore it's like, you know, actually what am I going to do to address it? Um, I could just be lazy and sit under a duvet and feel sorry for myself and for, sorry for my dad and my mom and the family and get pissed off with work and all that stuff. But actually it's kind of like, you know, put a community around you, the community make you do different things. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's really, that's really interesting. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry for, um, you know, that news, my, as you know, I lost my own father uh, a while ago and he, he had cancer as part of his challenges. Um, so I was really sorry to hear that news. The interesting part of, of, of what you said is that the, the fact that, you know, people are kind of watching, caring, checking in has made you, then try to take action to focus on the positive things that, that can boost your score. And that's actually helped you get, get, not get through a tough time, but, but moderate your form and boost your form whilst you're dealing with some tough stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, we've always, we've always known that that's the case, you know, the whole philosophy behind form is about, you know, smashing that stigma, sharing your score, having the community around you to support you. Um, some people don't feel comfortable about it. You know, it's really interesting as I've brought more and more of my friends into the Form Score app. You know, there are people who are like, well, you know, how, how do I do this? Like, put a score in, it's not hard. And then, and then what? And I said, and then just get on with your life. And then, you know, if it's a low score, some of us will ping you and say, is everything all right? And you can choose to ignore us or choose to engage in dialogue. And I think they were uncomfortable at first. Like, you know, I, I don't really want, should I be telling you that? Yes. Um, so it's kind of like one by one, you kind of break friends down and then there's other people who go on it and go, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and generally they're the people who are at the kind of like really positive end of like, oh yeah, that nines, 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 eights, eights, nines, nines, eights. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah brilliant. Um, but they're also the people who are the bubbly ones who look after you. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that they become the support mechanism of you want that happiness, you want that positivity, you want that you know, emoji, 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 emoji after one another, like kind of like, come on, we can do this. I'm there yeah. for you. You're like, yeah. the, the unbounding energy that you don't feel yourself at low form. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's a really, it's a really good mix and it's a really good experiment. Um, yeah. So, but there's, I've also, it's, it's interesting kind of just getting ahead of the conversation because yeah, as you said, we're not scripted. So I'm, my mind will go over, all over the place. What I've learned that probably I've never learned before and I'm still trying to work out whether it's just this situation of the context of my dad or whether it's something I'm just learning with age and form score. I've been pretty 
static around as like i said seven so my average is 7.1 on the app i've been doing it for you know 40 45 days constantly but what i've realized is i was like where, where are my oscillations i'm bipolar i'm meant to be up i'm meant to be down i'm meant to be all over the place i'm meant to be inconsistent and actually i'm quite boring um and everyone always used to say 10 years ago you just need to be normal you just need to be flat you need to not have the ups and downs you need to not oscillate and i was like yeah that sounds rubbish um and then I kind of like reflected on my form score and said, I kind of, I'm there, that's who I am, which is good because that's what you know, professionals said you should be. What I've realized in the last 10 days is in depression, I shoot up to eights or nines for an hour or so. Right. And I have moments of like clarity, that, like the mania kind of you know, experience. Yeah. Generally in the middle of the night, I have okay. it as well. So mm. I basically, because my mood has gone down so much, I've noticed the big oscillations going back up in terms of very clear on, you know, specific topics I need to get solved, whether it's my father or whether it's work. Yeah. And then I have, you know, long periods of ineffectiveness and, you know, a really annoying kind of un unproductivity. Yeah. Um, and that to me, I've never really, I never really thought, I thought it was like, you go down to the three fours, you go up to the eight nines and you go down three fours, you go down. And actually what I've realized is it's really, really, really short oscillations up. Mm. And I don't capture it on the form score because I think I literally would drive everyone insane. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine like, that. What, what is going on? You've basically gone from four to nine to four to nine. Um, but that's very much how I'm feeling. Um, 22, 23 hours of just feeling pretty low and pretty useless and pretty ineffective uh, and unproductive, as I said. And then you know, meetings or events or key decisions, I just snap into right now and I'm, I'm much more positive when I'm in that yeah. frame. Yeah. Um, and I've, ne I've never experienced that before. I've never yeah. thought about it before. I can I can relate to this and this is great. We're going, you know, totally off the script that, that, that I don't have anyway, but um, <laughs> it, it, it really resonates with me. So um, I had an interesting experience that I launched a big form score pilot with um, a business called Amy Consulting. And we did two keynotes to kick it off, one on Monday, one on Tuesday. On Monday, I was a seven out of 10. I was coming off a birthday weekend. I was, I was feeling you know, pretty good and delivered the keynote. And then I delivered the same keynote again yesterday where I was a five out of 10 on poor sleep. And I was reflecting with my colleague Harar afterwards. And I think I delivered a better keynote um, on the day that I was a five out of 10 because that was real. It was a real beacon and highlight of my day. And I was up for it. Whereas where I was on better form, I don't think I gave it quite the same level of, of, of energy and oomph that I did yesterday, which is, I guess, a bit like what you're saying. It, 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 it's, it's bizarre. I've never spotted it before. But then, you know, again, conversation with Pete Trainer, who you and I loved a bit. Um, him and I used to do lots of what well, he still does. I, I kind of backed off it. Um, lots of speaker events, you know, in the same way that you do. And I found that actually on the poor form, my speech was so much better mm. because I performed. I yeah. made such an effort to bring myself out of, you know, a low mood. I would go on stage. If I was in a relatively okay, you know, form, let's say you know, a seven, you know, pretty good for me, but I'm not talking eight, nines, tens. It was pretty rubbish, generally, my speech, because I just kind of like just went through it. And actually what I think, you know, you, you bring yourself out mm. of that, you know, low form to kind of perf to perform. Yeah. And then basically you just go back into hiding. I always used to remember, even after the best, you know, the, the, the really good speeches I know I did when I was in a weird place, 
I'd disappear straight after. I'd go off stage. I wouldn't do Q&A. I really didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do talking to people afterwards and handing out business cards. Knowing I'd just disappear back to the hotel and just sit in the room. And that to me was exactly, that's bipolar in kind of my mind. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think it's interesting, the, and, and Stuart's picked that up, the oscillations can form could be pretty short-lived on the, on the live chat. You know, I think we often think of mental illness and bipolar by definition as very binary. You're either well or you're ill, um, and it's black or white, and they're very extreme. But actually, I think as the thinking of bipolar has evolved, we, we talk more about the bipolar spectrum or the continuum, and, and we move up and down that much more quickly. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to understand what bipolar feels like to you. Um, and I know that has probably changed over the years and, and, and changed in the moment. But just give us a sense of what that what this challenge, this condition feels like to you, Tara. Um, yeah, isn't it? I, I find it fascinating to reflect. You get into your 40s and you kind of sit there and look back at your earliest years that you can remember. And I remember I used to hide in a cupboard in my bedroom. Um, my parents just thought I was odd uh, or having fun. Mm. Um, and then the next moment they would tell me that I'd had too much orange squash and I was hyperactive. Um, and then I go back in the cupboard. Yeah. Um, and kind of that was, you know, to me, and I suppose to my parents, you know, just a bit of a strange child. Um, <laughs> and then I kind of got to school, which I was, I was actually joking with my four-year-old couple of weeks ago I, I knew the headmaster really well not on a good good, good basis um i used to visit the, the headmaster's office at least once a term yeah uh, and my parents used to visit the headmaster at least once a term yeah and the, i remember the headmaster was saying he just does stupid things like you just don't need to set up a fire extinguisher in a porter cabin in the middle of a class you don't need to throw that stone that basically broke the window that he i don't think he meant to do it but why would you do it um and i actually put the stone in a tennis ball so he wasn't actually right um but all of these things were kind of like me just doing things which either were just taking risks they were pushing the boundaries were, i was learning in a way which everyone else was like why would you do that and i'm like well i want to see what will happen if i set the fire extinguisher off yeah and like you're gonna get suspended and i'm like i don't think i will i think i'm gonna get in trouble I think I'm going to get detention. I think I'm going to get liturgy, but let's see. And that now is the 40 plus year old reflecting on the 15, 13, 12 year old who was taking risks. And that has kind of been the story of my bipolar, yeah. which is I just do stupid things. I take risks. Um, and I believe they're calculated risks and a lot of them don't you know, cause you know, pain, hurt, suffering for anyone. But it's just my, my brain is so much more towards everything is you know, it's good to take risk. It's good to kind of push yourself out there. I threw myself off a third story building once because I thought I could fly. Now, that's the story. Now, some people are like, you know, was he trying to commit suicide? Absolutely not. I was just basically taking a risk, doing something stupid. But I can't yeah. calculate why. At that point, I was 15. I broke my arm on my collarbone doing it. Um, and it's just like, you know, there's a constant story for me going through stag dudes. I used to love st the stag dudes were my kind of the, the biggest reflection. Now I've been on so many of them, you know, playing sport rugby with lots of different cohorts. You kind of go on lots of stag dudes. And it was like the, the fun, most fun three or four days. I was literally in the middle of just causing chaos. Yeah. And then I disappeared for three weeks because I couldn't handle it. Yeah. And to me, that was just like, I'm rubbish with hangovers. 
And actually, it's not. I lift myself up to basically perform and to be part of that and to you know do crazy things, which basically are the stories for the next thirty years of your life. And then I come back and I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with this. What is it? Is this like the worst hangover? Um, yeah. And actually, I forced myself. You know, the way I've always kind of put it, and as in fact, a specialist told me probably ten years ago, the bigger the ups, the bigger the downs. Yeah. And it's so true. Um, you know, so. It's interesting. And then the only other example is playing sports or playing rugby. You know, there are three games when I was playing brilliantly. And all three games, someone came up to me and said, just be careful. And I said, why? And they're like, you're going to injure yourself. I, in all three of those games, I injured myself. I dislocated my elbow, I dislocated my shoulder, and I ripped uh, um, ligaments in my knee. And the point is, because I was basically just going around like a crazy fool. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just that, it's that not knowing the boundary. And yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm sort of reflecting and, and sort of matching my childhood experiences to yours. So your fire extinguisher was me lighting the gas tap for a Bunsen burner to watch the flame go out, which was ridiculous, right? Ridiculous. But I wanted to see what happened. Um, and and it's interesting, isn't it? Now, that... that, that um, sort of aptitude for risk and consequence and as you've come to terms with your challenges and you and who you are over the years have you become better aware of what those consequences of risk might be or is it just different risk yeah i think with age i think two things happen one is you have kids and you can sit there and go actually there is bigger consequence now uh and i think that's kind of made me second guess myself a little bit um which i don't like but, you know, it's, it's the consequence of having kids and family and, you know, dependents. The second and probably much more appropriate is because I now know who I am, I put people around me to basically check me. Yeah. So certainly in the context of work. So I was a CEO um, from the age of 33 and had no one really around me, apart from, you know, one lady who was amazing, who really, you know, watched and said something's a bit odd you know, you're acting weird in meetings you're making some really strange decisions in front of your management team is everything all right um i only had really one person then now i've got you know a, a multitude of people who surround me who are like, like okay you know is that the right decision is that the right thing and i put most of them in place on purpose yeah as being that checkpoint you know and my other half you know she's amazing for her tolerance um but she can also kind of watch for the, the the warning signs which essentially is just a manifestation of the format yeah which is you know we've all got as we grow older that community that kind of watches over and looks after who are our immediate radar in the the nomenclature of the format um and i've just become a lot better at putting those around me um, yeah and also probably because i'm a lot more open about talking about bipolar so everyone knows what's going on and therefore if they see some crazy ass behavior yeah they're kind of like He's a crazy ass. Yeah. Can you give us an example of crazy ass behavior in, in a work context that you've sort of caught by the fact you've got that group around you? Uh, snap decisions. So when you're yeah. running a company, you can't make snap decisions all the time. As in, you know, you, you have to take into consideration context. Hmm. You know, um, you know, and people bring problems to you. You're like, right, that's it. That's a solution. And people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> One opinion. <laughs> Um, and I'm like, that's all I need to hear. And I made my decision. They're like, no, no, that's 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 not how you work. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and that's the, the basic, that's who I am. I will shoot from the hip, make a decision, get on with it. Um, I, I feel as though, I, I feel very frustrated in certain moods when people just want to discuss a problem. I just want to solve a problem and move on. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it frustrates me massively. Other times when my form's different, I'm kind of like, right, let's, let's have a chat about it. Yeah. But sometimes I'm just like, absolutely not going to do this. And when you're in a position of responsibility, that can be quite dangerous because someone can get fired or, you know, a, a company can decide to do something that we didn't want to really do as a company. And you sit back and reflect and go, should I have done that? Mm. Yeah. How do I unwind it? <laughs> and we're getting some good interaction on the on the chat, Tarver. Uh, Thomas, thank you for your points and sharing that that um, you've got ADHD and you consider that your superpower. And 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 he asks you, Tarver, um, which I'd, I'd invite you to reflect on for a second. How do you um, embrace your bipolar, and and what do you do to help others? And we'll we'll certainly come back to that. Um, do you, do you, again, everything you're saying is resonating with me. And sometimes. I, I, I will shoot from the hip. I will try things and they don't always work, um, but I will believe that it's just the best idea known to, to mankind um, and, and, and implement it and run with it at a full pace. And then sometimes I'll reflect on back on it and think, why didn't that work? Why didn't you know, everybody get behind that? Why didn't that happen? Do you ever get surprised when, when sometimes you come up with something and, and others don't agree or don't follow? I don't get surprised because it's pretty much every day. <laughs> of course. Um, and, 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 and that's, again, it's the people I put around me. Um, I am, you know, running a company where you build technology products, waking up every morning with the next great idea is dangerous. Yeah. It's like, it literally is like five-year-old football. Yeah. Like, you, know, you basically tell the whole team to run in that direction. Now you tell the whole team to run in that direction. And yeah. You have to put the control mechanisms in place of other people who own the product and own the technology to stop me doing that. Yeah. And I think the first couple of years of Jigsaw, you know, people didn't stop me. People kind of like, oh, you know, he's got some crazy idea. We don't really know what it is, but let him go with it. Now we're much more of we do this, we do that, we do this. And then we have this other pot of crazy ass ideas that basically aren't going anywhere until we get a client who wants to work on them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, going, going to the question before, I surround myself with people who, you know, are um, open bipolar and yet to be um, christened. <laughs> yeah. The official title. Yeah. Um, I can spot someone who's got, you know, um, bipolar in terms of their personality, the way they act, the way they make decisions, etc. And actually, I embrace it. And the reason why is everything I've achieved in my life has been because of bipolar. Yep. Okay. And that's what I, you know, I underline all the time to myself, the three or four moments which have kind of made my career, you know, the, the steps up in my career <clears throat> have been moments of clarity that I've got from bipolar. Products I've come up with, ideas I've come up with, things that have just been so clear, I have to do this. And then I've had like days of madness when I'm writing things up and pictures on the walls and whiteboards covered in sketches and things, you know, proper insane, you know, mind maps of how I'm going to do something. And then I kind of just like go off that cliff and kind of just have a bad few months of you know being totally unproductive, but I've got all the materials that I kind of captured information on. Um, and for me, I celebrate that <clears throat> because that's helped me be who I am. Um, I don't celebrate, celebrate the other side of it, but I live with it because it's the, you know, it's the cost in some yeah. way. Yeah. You know, 
Um, and I, you know, I sometimes feel for people who just basically live in the middle. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Um, um, it's interesting. I, I had a conversation with Alistair Campbell uh, about this, and he asked me um, if you had a big red button, and for some reason it's got to be big and red, and you could press this button and be normal, whatever whatever normal may mean to you, and not experience these extremes and not experience the the lows of the depression. Would you press it? And, and Alistair, he's obviously a great campaigner, but experiences clinical depression. And and yeah, he doesn't necessarily get the highs like we 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 get. And he said, no, I wouldn't press that button because I wouldn't know who I was and I wouldn't have gone on this journey to define myself. But we also get the bit in the middle, the superpower that, that Thomas was talking about on the live chat uh, just now that enables us to come up with this these creative ideas. So I'm presuming you you, you wouldn't press the button. No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage anyone to press the button to have a different life in most situations, irrespective of bipolar or not bipolar. Um, yes, there are some situations where I think, you know, some people would really like to change their lives because of you know, horrible circumstances, and I'm not talking about that. Um, from a mental health perspective, it shapes you as a person. Yes, it's hard, but as you get older, it gets so much easier. Yeah. And I'm and I'm I don't mean that in a way of mental health is easy when you're older. You become so much more conscious of who you are. I found it really hard when I was eight, late 20s, early 30s. I was two different people and I didn't know why. There's only 33 is when I kind of was clinically diagnosed with bipolar. Um, and it made total sense. Yeah. I sat there when the lady told me, and I'm like, oh my God, have I have I not Googled this already? Yeah. <laughs> As in, have I not got to this as being the definition of what my life is? But the six, seven years before that was really difficult. I was really confused about myself. I was really confused about my behavior and my relationships and the way I treated myself and I treated others. Um, and I've become a lot more at peace with me now. And if I pressed any button to change me, I think go back to the sentiment um, Alistair said, I, I just wouldn't know who I was. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. I'm colorblind as well. And the colorblind is hysterically funny um, because literally no one believes you. Like my, my other half literally spent the whole of her time knowing me, basically not believing, just thinking I'm making it up for no, for no reason. Um, I don't know why she thinks that. She's like, you're not colorblind. You must be able to see color. And I'm like, I, I honestly, I can see some colors, but I can't see shades. Anyway, we kind of got over it in life because she's realized now that I wear the wrong socks and I wear different things and I wear a dress of kids and things that just don't match. Anyway, someone said to me, you can get um, lenses for your eyes now to basically cure color blindness. Right. And I'm like, not interested. And they're like, oh, we'll buy you some. I'm not interested. Why aren't you interested? I live my life now the way I do. Aren't you interested in what color looks like? Yes but I'm not interested in changing my life. I don't want to wear contact lenses just to see color. Yeah. I'm, quite, I'm quite happy with the light. I've adjusted. I've, it's my normal. And yeah. I watch all the videos because I'm obviously intrigued. I watch all the videos and there's like half of the videos of, you know, someone crying with emotion of like, it's amazing. You've changed my life. Then you watch the real videos of someone going, oh my God, my head hurts so much because the world's so bright. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the real video. Yeah. Um, the other one's the marketing video. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, of course I'm going to have headaches suddenly seeing bright colours when I live in a grey world. Um, but it's exactly the same thing. I wouldn't press the button to try and change myself. I, I want to I want to improve myself. Um, and what I mean by improve myself is I know that I've got, you know, uh, characteristics that 
aren't great in some ways and that's not bipolar it's just me being human yeah um i just need to improve those and keep improving to be a better person um but you know you can't it's very easy to go oh it's got bipolar and like i'd never use that excuse yeah. um, i use it as in a discussion so the missus and i were having a discussion last night about um whether in jigsaw we should have a concept of days off because of mental health um low form or you know just not feeling like they, they, they can come to work and be productive we should have this you know this mechanism where people can have days off and i said well you already have there's lots of people in our organization who are just allowed to basically just take time and you know find themselves deal with stuff go sit under a tree go for a walk but don't feel you have to work she's like i know but we need to make it official i'm like no we don't she's like yes we do i'm like we don't because some people don't want it to be official some people would find it hard to log that they basically have got you know poor mental health you know and therefore don't want to come to work because that's measuring people that's tracking yeah. Um, and she's like, no, it's not. It's supporting. And I'm like, okay. And so we got into this really interesting debate about, you know, the acceptance. Like I, I used your, you know, smashing the stigma. We want people to talk about it, absolutely, but we don't want to force them. No. And, and the world isn't ready yet, and 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 we we can't we can't build policies in the world in in the way we would want it to be without taking people on that journey. Yeah. I think what we need to do in organisations is create cultures of permission, where you as the leader um, and other leaders are, are taking days to to manage your mental well being um, when required to 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 create send that message that it's okay to do so. Um, I want to pick up on the point that, um, and it's happened for me as well. I was diagnosed when I was um, 30 and, you know, looking back through my twenties for me, I thought I was just antisocial or just complete center of attention exhibitionist, take my clothes off in public type behavior. Um, I keen to understand, you know, if you're, um, if, if, if somebody is thinking they might be bipolar and, what are the sort of signs you think to, to look out for that might help someone catch this challenge a bit earlier? Um, I think the, you know, the description you just gave, I a laugh because I also at work took my clothes off. I think it's the having two personalities that's a bit that kind of reflect on reflection of my late twenties, early thirties was it was very clear that I was this happy go lucky, crazy, you know, risk taking center of attention, you know, essentially the joker of, you know, all the communities when I wanted to be. Yeah. And then to a certain other group of people, they saw me as just being this kind of depressed, very quiet, very isolated individual. Um, and it was very hard when I came out of bipolar, came, came through the kind of bipolar diagnosis, because I said to my other half, I don't know who you love. <laughs> is it the crazy fool or is it the depressed fool? Because you spend 90% of your time with the depressed fool. Because the crazy fool is out there doing, being the crazy fool. Yeah, and you don't see that because that's the stag do's and that's the work events and that's the work meetings and the standing on the stage and the, the things which you don't see. You see me when I come home. And I don't want to talk and I want to basically just go to bed and I don't want to get out of bed in the morning and then I'm grouchy. And, but you, you like that person and I don't really want to be that person. And it's kind of like that really confused me. Um, and her, her response was, 
I kind of love both of you because don't you know that I'm both of you? As in you are, you know, you are both. I see, I see you at the weddings, not just the stag do's. Yeah. <laughs> the parties. Yeah. Um, I see you at some weekends when it doesn't have to be that you're on an event with your friends. You can also be that other personality. She's like, I just worry for you more when you're depressed. And I said, no, no, worry for me when I'm manic. Mm-hmm. In, um, and it's like, to me, it's, that's the characteristic you've got to look for, which is someone who has got that very different personality and is demonstrating that. But, but with the characteristics of there is this, you know, this, this mania aspect to us, this kind of attention seeking, risk taking, but there's also this very low, very different personality. That to me is a, the, the, the perfect sign. Um, and that's what I, you know, if, if you see that, don't, don't worry, start to talk, start to research, start to understand, start to con- surround yourself with other people who've been through similar journeys because there's so much that people like you and I can tell the 25 year old us now yeah that reflection yeah. i would love you know go back you know i was reading about someone writing letters to a 20 you as a 25 year old and you as a 20 year old and i'm like oh my god what i'd write in that letter yeah. um all the things not to do all the things to do all the things to act differently yeah i mean i i, I would love to have equipped myself through my 20s with the, the knowledge of of what was partly defining me and i say partly because many things do define us um, but I, I do wonder, Tava, if if that if that didn't play out like it played out, the the self awareness, the lessons learned, the the t- the rich tapestry of life that we we go through, e- even in those those things that I look back on and think, wow, that was that was a stupid thing to do, that was a stupid thing to try. Um, we've learned so much during those times, haven't we? Yeah, well, and there's this hypothesis which I would, you know I love to create create some controversy controversy as well to get people talking. Um, I think we've probably learned more about ourselves at this point in our life than someone who hasn't got mental health. Yeah. Therefore, I'm much more informed about who I am. There's a lot of my friends who I've grown up with, I think are very still lost. Not Without quite sure who they are, where they're going, what they've been, where, you know. I'm like, I've got so much I've learned about myself because I've screwed up so much. And it literally is that. It's, in, it's not, you know, they're not really positive reflections. I've had loads of fun, don't get me wrong. But I learn, you learn from making mistakes. Yeah. I've made so many mistakes because of this bipolar. You know, I, I take the risks, I, I bend the rules, I do things I shouldn't, you know, and then I reflect on, you know, not so good days, you know, low form of wasted time. But I reflect on the good time. It's kind of really interesting. I've had so much time to think about it. Yeah. I feel like I'm a 70 year old compared to some of my friends. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a 70 year old, both, both physically and mentally, but that's a different story. But I agree, I agree with you that that level of, and, and, and this is the essence of, of part of what Form Score is all about, in that it, it's helping people that might not have had a diagnosable challenge build up the self awareness as to what is driving their form, what is driving their well being, and then be able to act on it. Um, and, and we call it that gift of, of, of self awareness. So um, Rachel Reese uh, talks about that's how she innovates. You know, there are consequences of using the power. Uh, you term it, term it as a cost. Um, I think it's, it's a price as well, and it's a price I'm willing to pay for the, the beautiful elements of creativity in the middle. Um, I, I want to talk, pick up on one of your earlier points um, uh, on, on form score around how important in our circles of support that we have 
people who are the eights and nines as well as people that we are supporting because i've been kicking around this concept and i'm not sure whether we've we've spoken about it yet but um the clinical uh, psychiatrist who advises me on the clinical side of form score dr ian jordan talked about this idea of herd immunity for mental illness so we're obviously herd immunity is becoming a, a term in relation to the the, the virus but it strikes me that we have this opportunity to create a level of herd immunity for mental ill health generally by being more open, by supporting each other, you know, having those circles on the app or any other mechanism people want to support each other. Um, and um, sorry, my phone is ringing, so I'm going to kick that off. Um, and, and then having this level of support that just creates this buffer against you know, mental ill health. Keen to hear your perspectives on that in the context of what we're doing, but it just struck me in the the idea of having that that mix in your circle of support of some people who are generally very positive and up and inspiring you to move towards a nine. Yeah, I'm reflecting on the word immunity. Um, I don't think the community makes me immune. I think the community makes me more resilient. Yeah. Um, which may be, you know, and I'm just, again, I'm reflecting on the, the, the definition because it's who I am and I need to stop doing it. Um, I, I, can, I consider my friends to be my white blood cells. Yep. Um, and I can, going back to your virus point, I consider in some ways some aspects of bipolar to being a virus that kind of tries to attack and do some bad things, but also do some good. And it's for my community to work out with me as well what what the, where we allow it to do to us. Mm. That's, so there's a hell of a lot of complexity in that definition of I don't consider bipolar to be a virus that's bad. Yeah. And therefore, you know, some of my community would be like, he has to always be a seven. If he's not a seven, this is bad. Yeah. Um, whereas some of my community are like, and be an eight and nine, he's a genius when he does that stuff. Yeah. Um, and when he's a three, four, just be there for him. Just make sure he's okay. But that's life. That's what he's going to be. You know, we can't stop it. Yeah. It, and it's a kind of, it's interesting. Some people would consider with the, con the, 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 the definition of immunity, that therefore I have a virus and I don't have a virus. Yeah. Um, but I agree with the term, which is together we're stronger. Together yeah. we're more um, resilient. Together we look after one another. To get, together we will survive. Yeah, that's the most important aspect. Yeah, I think collect, um, collective resilience is, is probably a better way of, yeah, of defi defining. And, and and yeah, I certainly wouldn't consider bipolar or any you know kind of mental illness a a virus. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge that requires management. And I think um, collectively we can, we, you know, we can support each other with our form. And I think form is can oscillate independently of mental illness anyway. If you're struggling with a mental illness, you need professional support. You know, you're not going to get that from what we're doing with form score. It's not designed for that, and that's I, we, don't, we need to be pretty clear on that. Yeah, I, I think I think the recognition. Yeah, I've, I've you've seen some things, and I've seen some things from people who've been using Form Score, which gives me that huge positive sense of we, we've done something good. Um, a friend that I see very rarely, but I grew up with, he works in the NHS, and he said, "Is it all right for me to roll out this to a set of you know my nurses and NHS colleagues?" I said, "Yeah, go for it." And he said, the reason I want to do it is I know there's someone who's going to be low form and I want that community to look after. Her. Yeah. Um, so they kind of created their circle. 
and the six or seven of them encouraged this other person who didn't want to do it to come on and they were right she's a three she's a four and she went down to a two the day and he rang me and said what do I do and I said I'm not an expert but I'm going to give you my opinion Rob's got some videos um to go watch but my opinion is go see them physically yeah and you know who cares about Boris rules now clearly if someone's watching this I do absolutely (laughs) of course you do Um, yeah but, you know, if someone is saying there are two and they really do need help, then go help them. Yeah. Me, you know, rules don't count in those situations. It's, you know, all rules are off. Um, and he said, this is the thing they needed to basically know when to go. You can't go every day. Yeah. But it's like, you know, when she's a three or a four, they're kind of, they can deal with it. They can handle it. They can call, they can text. But, you know, when it, when it drops to that next level. And you and I have always had this worry. And I still wake up in the middle of the night and think about what happens when someone gets to a two or a one and we don't get to them. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of the phases of what we, where we've got to get to with form. You know, we've taken that responsibility. I had, I was massively apprehensive at some point for the, the context that you know um, of putting something out there that basically tells us there's a really big problem and not being able to be there to help. Um, but that's why it's important with communities. It's important to understand if, you know, someone's got a low form and no one in their friendship circle, there's a problem. So how do we get the tool to acknowledge flag and, and allow us to assist? Um, and that's later stages. And there's so much more complexity than just basically choosing a number and an emoji. Yeah. You know, and, but that's what we've got to do. That's our responsibility of starting this journey. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And, that's, and that's, again, you know, from our, from our perspective, how do you help people and support people with bipolar and with any mental health. And the question you asked me earlier, and the point is you just got to be there for them. Yeah. You've got to listen. You've got to understand. You've got to be, you know, have empathy. Um, and you've got to be able to use your experiences to kind of tell them it's going to be all right. Yeah. 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 It might be crap today, but, you know, we'll get through it. And then it will look like this. And then it might go crap again. Yeah. But, you know, this is how the, you start to manage it. This is how you start to become a lot more conscious and, aware of who you are um and as months go by you know you you have that experience to be able to use to to guide your life yeah definitely so um we could talk for hours We're, we're, we're coming up to time so i'm going to first of all thank you for all you do um all you do on the mission of form school but all you do more broadly as well um and thank you for sharing your experiences uh today um, there's a few little things that we would normally do at the top that I, I still want to get your uh, your quick answers to. So um, what, one is we, we're sort of collecting well-being nuggets. What is your one golden nugget for well-being, the one piece of advice and wisdom you'd be prepared to share about managing well-being? Um, find the thing that makes you smile and keep doing it. Brilliant. In, I, I, me, me is exercise. Mm-hmm. And just just don't don't not do it. As in, it's so important. As in, it's such a simple thing for me to do to put a pair of trainers on and just do 3K or I'd have to do a marathon. Yeah. Just get out, get some fresh air. And what it does is clear my mind. So just find the thing you love and do it. Yeah, great advice. Great advice. Find the thing you love and do it. Love that. And a quick fire round. So we're going to do this really quickly. If mental health, Tava, were an animal, what would it be? A mosquito. Why a mosquito? Because um, it can be really annoying in some situations can be deadly, but ultimately is just something that we live our lives with. 
Brilliant. Love that. Great answer. For mental health or a food, what would it be? Oh, uh, Marmite. <laughs> of course. Love it or hate it. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. If mental health, and this is, yeah, this this is, an, well, I'd normally go in for mental health or a colour, but that's, if mental health or a shade. Gray. Yeah, grey. <laughs> <gray. laughs> but I think that's relevant. It is shades of grey, right? It is shades of grey. It is not, not black or white. If mental health were a sound, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, a really, this is a really odd response, but it's come into my brain three times since you asked okay. it. I'm going to yeah. say it. Laughter. Okay. Because yeah. sometimes I laugh with happiness. And sometimes I laugh really awkwardly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I want to hear laughter when I'm in a depression. Yeah. Brilliant. But it's weird. Laugh, I, I thought laughter, stupid answer. Then it came back twice more and I was like, I'm going to say it then. So. Brilliant. Perfect. Awesome quick fire round. We'd normally do that at the top, but we've had such a good chat. Um, Tava, thank you for all you do. It's been a pleasure chatting with you next week on the form guide we're going to have a chat with Faye McGuinness um, on the mental health of teachers and educators which is an important issue right now thanks everyone for tuning in on the live um, this is the form guide where we have inspiring conversations about our mental health and our well-being thanks T. thank you take care